All right. What a lolly. What a... Oodle lolly, golly, what a day. Oh, so when we drove out to Laughlin, we were listening to, uh, like, the first CDs my parents ever got for me for, like, Christmas when I got my first CD player. Uh, there was, like, a Garth Brooks Greatest Hits, but also yep. Roger Miller Dang Me. Really? Um, and he's the one who did the the Rooster oh, in the animated. I love that guy. Well, I love the Rooster. Oh, he's I don't know about the guy. I don't know any of his other music other than he, the Rooster. Well, so it's, like... It's very much like hokey kind of uh, country music, sure. and I freaking love it. Sure, guy just uses like random sounds at various points. <laughs> but anyway, so like when you started doing that, I was like, oh my gosh, yep, right back it. there again. I love that's actually like one of my favorite Disney movies of all time. Like that's the it's one. It's really, really good. Yeah, I go back to it all the time. Oh, all right. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. Yeah. Yeah. We Finally, are. we're both on the air. Yes. Like, I, I'm seriously, I was always so worried that my droning voice was just, like, lulling people to sleep. No, no, no. It sounds like they stayed awake. It sounds like things went well. I mean, like, so I enjoyed them. I thought you did a good job with them. But I knew we didn't want to make that a regular yes. recurring thing where yeah. one of us is just bailing on the other. Yeah. I'm, well, it wasn't bailing the stupid technology, man. I tell you what, technology is just... You can't live without it anymore, but it just it drives you nuts, man. There's just oh, absolutely nothing works the way it's supposed to. Uh, but anywho, so fun announcement. Hopefully, this is sounding different to everybody because we have new equipment. Um, Brandon, yes, we do. Yeah, we got a new microphone. So hopefully, my voice is actually coming through a little clearer, a little crisper, and uh, hopefully, that's part of our continuing efforts to. Make this thing more better. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just like just like how we speak more betterly than we did in the used tos. Um, and then similarly, I went ahead and finally got myself my own computer so yes. that I could download some recording software uh, without having to try and convince one of the admin at my school that I should have permission to download that onto the school computer. I didn't like my chances of that. <laughs> So now we'll actually be able to kind of edit the individual tracks as well. So yep. the next time there's some kind of a house party going on over here. Um, <laughs> That's funny because we'll, I swear the guy was just like standing there just banging the door closed. I was like, how many people are going in and out of that door? Just like five or six, but constantly. <laughs> so next time something funny. like that happens, it'll be way easier to try and fix it because yep. we won't have to worry about... Uh, shutting Brandon's end down. Right, and when we, if we cross over because we're prone to do that, like talk at the same time, it won't max out, or if it does, we can adjust it a little bit so it won't be as uh, crackly. Like it won't, like I'm sure there's points in which when we've both gotten excited, you you can hear that kind of like fuzz uh, of static, and that's because we're recording both into one track, and so it was kind of maxing out. So hopefully this will all help the podcast sound better yeah no doubt that that is the goal we are we are committed to making this a good thing as yes. opposed to just a fun thing we want it to be both agreed which the fun we've had covered because we enjoy each other and so <laughs> hopefully gonna, you've enjoyed it as well i was gonna say yeah but, the it's it's fun for me when like the conversations are good but i also like winning 
So <laughs> doing yeah, exactly that, winning is fun for me too. So the better we can make this thing, the hopefully the sooner we can get out there and start uh, kicking everybody else's butt at podcasting. But not that I uh, think about those things at all. Only always. Yes, that's. But other than that, never. It's compulsive. Um, <laughs> so, what kind of beverage did you uh, participate in over the last couple of weeks? That oh man, I guess probably um, not cataloging the whole last two weeks, but pick a that's accurate shining star. Let's see here. Um, actually, probably the uh, I had a Voodoo Ranger IPA. Um, it's from New Belgium. Yeah, that it's, one gets a lot of press. It does. And, you know, it's it's good. Like, again, it's okay. not one that I'll ever necessarily go out of my way for. Like, if I'm really hunting for something. Sure. In part, just because it's so readily available. But, like, it's a great... If you're stopping at, like, a grocery store on your way home or something, and you're looking for an IPA, it's a good one to go with. Right. Uh, if you find yourself at a Total Wine or a BevMo or something like that, a place that really specializes in the alcoholic beverages, then realistically there are probably better choices. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Or at least it's kind of one of those things, you've got so many options that you won't have anywhere else, you probably want to grab one of those. Right. But it's a really good, solid IPA. Can art is pretty cool too. I mean, I think it gets a lot of press just because the the design, the the picture is is really cool. (laughs) It is. Yeah, no, no, that... Harkens back to the Muertos days for you, I'm sure, with yeah. the, uh, the the skull yep. skeletons walking around, just chatting, enjoying themselves. Yeah. I don't know why I like that imagery, but I do. Right. <laughs> Anywho. So, uh, I How managed, about for you? Uh, yeah, I managed to try something a little different today. So during uh, Brooklyn's dance class, I snuck over to uh, Sprouts under the guise of needing to buy groceries and instead wandered the aisles for, I don't know, like 30 minutes. Stumbled across the cold brew section, and I was like, all right, oh, okay. let, let's try some coffee. I haven't tried one of these in a long time. Cold brew is expensive, man. So It can be. Yeah, most they were so, so like the Stumptown can. Stumptown is a big roaster. They're big into everything, right. pretty much. They were selling their 10-ounce, 10-ounce, 12-ounce can for 5 bucks a can. I mean, that's that is. more than most beers. Yeah, or that's right, exceptional. You know, you would think if you got... A six pack, I mean, you're looking at thirty bucks for that. Like, right? Th- that's crazy talk. Nobody, I don't. Anyway, I'm trying not to show my shock too much, but so <laughs> I didn't go with that one. Instead, I went with a Groundworks uh, Nitro, and it Groundwork is a roaster over in LA. Uh, I had them a little while ago, and they were uh, they do pretty good stuff. And okay. But I've never had a nitro can coffee before. I've had nitro coffee, but never canned. And uh, I was expecting it to pop just like a Guinness, you know, like you pop it, right. and then Guinness has that little bubble in the bottom. The that, widget. Yeah, that kind of fizzes up, and you're like, oh, that's so satisfying. Instead, <laughs> I just popped it, and then nothing happened. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, that sucks. But I guess what it is is it's more like the it's nitro coffee. So think of it if you, like, kegged your coffee nitro filled it with nitro and then poured it from a keg into a, like a growler okay it's like that so i was supposed to have shaken it so that it got the kind of the frothy foam uh frothy foam and uh i forgot to do that so it just kind of tasted okay. like nitro coffee that had been sitting on the shelf for a while but, gotcha 
So I didn't do it right, but the coffee was still good. Uh, was it worth $4 for a can? Uh, I don't think it's ever worth that much money for cold brew. I, it's crazy to me that people I was gonna say. do this. Like, buy a bag of coffee beans and a single mason jar and make all the cold brew all the time for a fraction of the price. Occasionally, since I'm doing the keto thing, a lot of times if I haven't thought of anything for lunch, I'll swing through like a, a Walmart or a Circle K or something on my way in and grab uh, like some cheese sticks, some cold meat, and uh, like a thing of... A lot of times I'll just grab some cold brew just because mm-hmm. it's super convenient. I don't have to wait and it's actually sealed, so I don't have to worry about dropping and spilling, which is definitely right. a thing I've done in the past. <laughs> um so, I've gotten the stuff from Stoke, that S-T-O, yep. Umlaut, and then K, and they've got, like, a big, like, liter thing that I can get for less than five bucks. So, okay, the idea, the idea of paying for a can, so part of it might be, you know, kind of combining the fact that cold brew tends to be more expensive with the fact that sprouts tends to be more expensive, unless you're shopping for the things specifically on sale yeah groundwork and subtown are like elite like top of the line brands too like they're high-end brands. gotcha so but yeah that is yeah it would have to be i'm trying to imagine what level of delicious it would have to be for me to be willing to go five bucks a can that's a, for you, 10 ounces of coffee there is none in my opinion I'm sorry. Like I like that, I don't know how many diseases it will have to cure for me as I'm drinking it. <laughs> and that's the like thing. it's going to need to have some kind of serious medicinal effect. Right. Yeah, the the value proposition there it just doesn't make sense. Like what other value you're so you're getting 12 ounces of delicious coffee, sure. But what is mm-hmm. the other value that you're getting that allows the price to go up to $5? There's got to be something right, like Right, cuz I can get delicious coffee significantly cheaper than that. Right. So like are you just that much cooler for having that can in your hand? I I just don't know, man. I don't think so. I I don't think the value is there. It doesn't make sense to me. Well, and to be fair, neither one of us has ever been uh, particularly motivated or particularly successful at the idea of doing things in order to appear cool. True. That is... Yes. So, I mean, I guess if you are... If you are one of the many people who is far more interested in people being impressed by what you're drinking rather than you actually enjoying the drink itself... Then yeah, I guess maybe, yeah, maybe that'll work for you. But I just see Stumptown laughing at you all the way to the bank. That's what I see. Like it's just hard. Oh for yeah. Me. So anywho, all right. Well, I'll get off that high horse because I'll <laughs> I'll ride that thing forever. All right, <laughs> let's not. <laughs> so let's uh, jump into our topic, which is going to be a rehashing of a topic that we did three weeks ago, ish. Yes. Yeah, yeah, two yeah. weeks and three podcasts ago, or something. I don't know. Two podcasts, three, two weeks. three weeks and two podcasts. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I don't time well. Three so. podcasts, two weeks. That's the one. <laughs> because we recorded it, and then it turns out that we only recorded one half of it for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it well, just and stopped. I say working. for some reason because uh, the software decided that it only wanted to record half, in spite of the fact that we were doing everything the same way we had been. Yeah. And then you recorded your first solo project. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then last week, fortunately, we tested before. So you weren't having to start on your own at 930. Look at us learning. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
And then, yeah. So it's been it's been a wild ride to get here. But. Yeah. Alrighty. So the topic is, oh, it's hard. Like I almost want to present it differently because what it was is so the background is we've been talking about the Catholic Protestant uh, dynamic conversation for a while, yes. and this was like a carryover into that. But now that we're three weeks removed, it's a little bit different. So it, it it's gonna lack maybe some of the. Uh, I don't know fire in the belly that was that was there. Uh, I don't know what to say, but it's still a good topic. It's still good inf- uh, a good discussion point. I think so. Well, absolutely. And again, like we've had to re-record podcasts in the past for different reasons. Yeah. Um, but I think it, the same lesson still applies. That whole idea of we don't just because it was really good, and we're not. I'm not trying to brag, but like. It was. It was it a really good podcast. It felt so good at the end of it. I it was did. Like, it felt super clean. It felt, it. At the same time, it would be foolish to try and just straight up recreate it at this point. Right, right. Because um, we're not going to be able to do that anyway. So instead, yeah, having a little bit of a repackaging going on, mm-hmm. I don't think is a bad move. I agree. We'll dig into it. So let's just jump in here. And so this, this started off with a blog post that AJ wrote that challenged me to say, hey, you're basically not communicating this in the way that's in your brain it's not going out into the world that way so it really pushed me to go hammer down my concepts on christian unity and i think the the snappy little uh, tagline that came out of it is that unity is not uniformity right so that that was a good line i thought came out of that so um jumping into story time which is the background information on where i came from is that i had experienced multiple times throughout my life where lots of people told me what my christianity was supposed to look like and none of those things ever matched me so my my fun example is the in college i was telling uh this girl that i was going to i i wish i could remember who it was i don't know i was bouncing around the tooth and nail christian metal concert scene there for a long time and i was like it's so awesome you know all these kids are there and there's this energy and you can just totally feel god is there and it's heavy metal and it's so contrary to what i thought before and she just smiled and nod and she goes oh well i like to go to concerts where god really is like third day or you know and all these other ones and i was like (laughs) wow i'm pretty sure she just told me that god was not there when we all thought he was Shows what you know. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and so, you know, things like that have, have come up multiple times. Uh, the big one, if we ever dig into the Trinity, I would have to tell my story about people telling me I just need to do things and believe things just because they said so. It's never, yeah. wor- never worked for me. And so... I think that's a genetic condition for us. Like, I think that's been passed on familiarly. Like, <laughs> right? Because I said so, it's just never been satisfying yeah. for any of us. Doesn't cut it. That's just kind of my experience. That is a small experience, a small example of my experience, which is you know people telling me this is what it's supposed to look like, and I disagree with them. And so I've always kind of pulled back and said, "Well, I think you are right because God is there, but I also think God is right, or I'm right because God was with us over here too. So it doesn't have mm-hmm. to look the same." And so I've kind of pulled that out and applied it. Uh, denominationally, I guess, is a way to phrase it for me, because eventually I'm going to run out of good words that don't offend somebody. But, um, you know, (sighs) pulling it out and saying, well, I have this Catholic side of me, and then I also have this Protestant side of me, and 
I see God in both of them, so, you know, it doesn't bother me as much as, you know, it does others that are, you know, super deep in either one of them. And so that's kind of where I've always approached it, I guess. And and I've, it's all been very experiential and not very fleshed out as a argument or anything. I guess my, my main bullet points here is the first one is that I think unity is relational over theological. So one of the things that we really dug into is that it's about approaching the person first before the idea. You know, and Absolutely. I, I think about the the street ministers, the ones that are out there uh, serving the hungry. Like they will always yeah. tell you that people don't care what you think because if they have empty bellies, right? So if they're right. hungry, that's what they care about. And so, you know, you give them food, you serve the person, you you build the relationship, you get that physical part where you you have all this stuff in common in that you're human beings, you both need food to live. And you share these things. And then that opens the door to the conversations of ideas and things like that. Well, and I do think that that's, that is a key point is that it's, you know, regardless of whether you want to use, I, I can't remember whether it was a saint or if it was Gandhi. I think it was, I think it was one of the saints, but I can't remember which one who said that there are some people who are so hungry that God cannot appear to them in any form Mm. but bread. Yeah, I think that's something for us to apply, not just when we're talking about some of those basic physical needs, but also just kind of across the board. Like you have to know what it is that people are hungry for at that point, whether it's talking about actual food, whether it's uh, just someone who is incredibly lonely and they're just looking for right. uh, a friendly voice, a friendly face, something like that. And you have to provide for that first before you can build anything else. Because if we're not meeting our basic human needs, then there's really no time for the person to even recognize their need for anything deeper than that. Right, right. And it, and it's just, it's establishing that human connection too. I mean, there's, it's been, I think my experience that I I can't remember. I think I wrote this somewhere at some point, but uh, that we're not singularities, you know, every human being, even though we are unique snowflakes, (laughs) we're not so unique that nobody has our experiences. Yeah. We're very common. Like, Like lots of people have had the, not the exact same experience, but a good chunk of it. And I find that, probably 80% of your experience has been shared with other people who have very similar experiences. And so connecting that part where the majority of your human experience can be shared allows you to have a connection and trust that allows you to move into that 20% that's, that might be different than, than what they've experienced. Yeah. And I think, I think one of the key things with it too, is just that idea that they're not mutually exclusive. Like when you say you relate to someone, when you say that you understand this one part of their experience, that's not the same as saying you understand all of their experiences because that would be that would be dishonest. Mm-hmm. Like the reality right. is, like you said, most of our experiences have been shared by someone, but there's there's no one out there who has shared all of them. Right. So, for example, you that example you used of going to the heavy metal concert and really experiencing God there. There are a lot of people who have had that experience. Mm-hmm. Some of those people who have had that experience have also had the experience of being father to two young kids, to two young daughters, 
And so they can relate to some of the experiences that come with that as well. But a lot of them can't. Right. And so it's not a matter of, like you said, unity is not uniformity. You're not claiming that you're the same. Right. You're claiming that you relate. You have a similar shared experience. Well said. And that is a, a ground for conversation, but it's not grounds for denying that your experience was different. I mean, even when you look at people who are at the same thing, you and someone else who was at that exact same concert you were talking about mm-hmm. experienced largely the same things, but your experience was nevertheless different. Very Right, right. Absolutely. And so you're able to have the conversation and still acknowledge where each person's differences are. Like, it's not about denying the differences, which was the, the point I was trying to make in the, the blog post that originally set this off, was that, yeah, no, no, there are a lot of things that you can talk about as being common ground, but where it gets dangerous is when people start making that mistake of, well, the only way for us to have common ground is to pretend that it's all common ground. We just won't talk about the differences. That's just the same thing as everybody saying, oh, never talk about religion and politics with people if you want to get along. You're like, well, yeah. Well, no, if you get along, you should be talking about that stuff because it's important to you, and that's how your relationship builds. Like, you can't deny the importance of it. And that's kind of the next bullet point, too, is that unity is not compromising your integrity. Right. right. So if we're coming at it from a relational perspective, we're humans, we're pursuing this together, then when we get into that 20% that's different, you don't have to give. Really, You don't have to say, oh, well, that doesn't exist. Like we just deny a big chunk of yourself or compromise on something that you don't think is right just for the sake of unity because unity isn't in the theological debate. Unity is in that human connection that relationship and sometimes there's crossover like where the the theological beliefs and those kinds of things might be part of what you're unified in but ultimately unity is something that if it's going to mean anything it has to exist in the midst of difference as well right like that's what it's not Mm. it's not the idea of it's easy to be unified with people who agree with you Right. (laughs) I love this, actually. Unity, in order for it to be something that means anything, has to be that ability to recognize the differences and actually celebrate them. Acknowledge that these different perspectives bring something that yours wouldn't be able to accomplish on its own. Yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. I I steal a lot of things from G.K. Chesterton, and he's not alive to complain about it, so (laughs) I'm not too worried. But, like, one of the things that he talked about was with virtues in general, he talked about the idea that specifically for the theological virtues, for those, you know, faith, hope, and love, for any of those virtues that rely on the divine gift to be possible, and I would argue that all virtues at a certain level do require that, um, we can get to a certain part on our, a certain point on our own, but that ultimately, to really maximize them, it's not going to be something that is beyond purely human efforts. Mm-hmm. But one of the things he talked about was this idea that the virtues really become virtues when they cease to be completely and perfectly rational. So looking at those three, he talked about like you know faith is a virtue when you are able to believe in something in spite of evidence. Like, not in spite of all evidence, like, it's not talking about that, but in terms of that idea that the challenges aren't a threat. 
Right, right. Hope is a virtue precisely when it's hopeless. When you have no reason to hope. When it seems like mm. it's that darkest before the dawn kind of thing. Yeah. That's when it becomes a virtue. And love, charity, is a virtue precisely when you're dealing with a person who has no right to claim your love or no deservedness of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you so hear- I would say the same deal with unity. The point where unity becomes like an actual virtuous act, this maintaining of the human family and the human community, is when you're doing it in situations where you're not actually on the same page, where you're not perfectly united, but still coming together. Oh, I love it. Oh, I'm going to be chewing on that for a while. Gosh, dang it. Yeah, that's just really good. I think when we talk about it, like it's important to acknowledge the, the idea, and it's something that's said a lot, and occasionally it's even meant when it's said, but this idea of the human family. And even people like us who are very blessed to have a really strong, good family, mm-hmm. uh, it is still one of those things where it's not like it's possible to go to a family gathering and see a group of people who are the same. Right. Like, we have some things held in common, but ultimately we're still very, very different. And I mean, I know, uh, for me, one of the things that always stands out is when I started to get a little bit older, like into high school age and that kind of stuff, I started to notice some of the differences between the way our family does things and the way some other families do. Uh, Because as a kid, you just kind of assume that everyone... does things the way you do. Like your sense of normal is just so ingrained. Um, But when I started to notice, I I was asking my dad at one point, how is it that we can have, you know, seven aunts and uncles and their spouses and their kids and sometimes have rather heated arguments, like very impassioned. You can see faces turning red and that kind of stuff. And yet at the end of the day, they're walking away after giving each other a handshake or a hug, whatever the case may be. And then coming mm-hmm. back, talking about how they're looking forward to seeing each other again next time and meaning it, being sincere. Yep. And my dad, as he is wont to do, managed to express it in a way that is very memorable to me. He said, well, ultimately what it comes down to is that when we disagree about something that strongly, we don't get upset about it because we just realize the other person's an idiot. <laughs> Or, I mean, he didn't say they are an idiot, but I think they're an idiot. I think they're wrong. (laughs) And I know, as your uncle is sitting there looking at me, he's thinking the same thing. (laughs) This guy is an idiot, and he's wrong. (laughs) Or maybe he's not an idiot. I can't believe he would believe this. Like, this doesn't make sense to me. Right. But ultimately, at the end of it all, it's, that doesn't matter. True. Like, the, those differences, they, they might be about very important things, and those differences might really matter, but in terms of the relationship, they don't. Right. Because the relationship is founded on something so much deeper and more powerful than any of those specific conversations. It's built on just the idea that they're family. Right. What they have in common is so much greater than any of these no matter how many of them add up in terms of these differences of belief and difference of opinion, none of them add up to carry even close to the weight of the actual family relationship between them. And one of the things, too, is that you know that if you're getting your chops busted, it's usually from a very good place. Right. You know, like we were talking that, 
you know, one of our uncles is a tradesman. And when we were coming up, he was like, hey, you need to do a trade. You need to, you know, learn welding. You need to do these things. And we were like, well, we're going to college to go sit in a cubicle. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I'm not going to be a tradesperson, but they didn't understand, you know, their life experience was that you work with your hands. That's something that doesn't go away. It's steady. It was their life experience and they were sharing it with us. And even though they might have been, you know, busting our chops through it, you know, and for our choices, it was coming from yeah. that position that I just want the best for these people. And sometimes it takes tough love. Sometimes it's joking. Sometimes you got to be real with them. But it's yep. you can hear that knowing that they're not just trying to tear you down because there is that understood uh, concept that family is the most important. And you know that they're just taking care of you even if they're exactly. just razzing you. So, you know, exactly. you, can, you can operate in trust and faith in that in that realm because that relationship is there. Yeah, and again, like you said, you know what their motivation is. And so mm-hmm. even if the disagreement is heated, even if you feel like uh, he's coming on too strong, and there were a couple of times where, you know, it was like, okay, look, we, we've had this conversation because you know, <laughs> my parents lived very close to to this particular uncle. And so like <laughs> we're seeing him like a couple times a week and it's like, no, no, we've had this conversation like five times already. <laughs> I, I appreciate your concern. I do. But, and at the same time, like he was good with that. Like right. when you told him, Hey, look, I, I appreciate it, but I'm not interested. I'll keep it in mm-hmm. mind. If, if things aren't going well, right. Absolutely. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll be more than happy to do it. And that's legitimately all he wanted to hear. Okay, good. You took it serious as long as you know. Right, right. And I think really that has framed so much of my thinking in life, um, our family experience, to be honest. Both sides of my family, actually, I'm, I will fully admit that I'm very fortunate on both sides of my family. I think I have directly translated that into the religious community. And I just always think about, you know, there is this level, a certain level probably the first six creeds i think we've said or uh, yeah creeds councils yeah four, first six councils if you're on board there like that should be the foundation of the relationship like we should be able to enter into dialogue argue get red in the face and then hug each other and go serve the poor together because that foundation is a shared no matter what and that's not going anywhere Absolutely. And so when you've got that, then you can say like, you know, and I think I said this on one of the podcasts before too, like I get why some of the the Protestants like get really hardcore about the idea of Catholics and our, and our sense of the Eucharist and those kinds of things, because really if we're wrong, it's a major problem. And so you can have that conversation with me. You can tell me why you think that it can't possibly actually be the body of Christ. And I can tell you why I'm confident that it definitely is the actual body of Christ. And we can have that conversation. And by the way, when I say you, I'm not, this is a general you. Right. We can be talking about that. We can have that conversation. And yeah, we can get heated because it does matter. It's an important Mm -hmm. difference. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, so what? Right. Like, not so what from, again, like that theological, intellectual perspective. Right. Or even in terms of the daily lived experience for me and the daily lived experience for this Protestant. It does matter in those contexts, but to throw away all of the things 
that we are in agreement on over this just doesn't make any sense. 100%. That'd be like that'd be like saying that because uh, a family member um, so if a family member were to I don't know I'm struggling to even think of an example. I can't think of anything that even <laughs> sounds realistic to me because again, like it um, it's so, so framed our if, thought if there process was, though. Like if there our was family... like some kind of a blow up over uh, one of the grandparents is like getting to a point where they need extra care. Mm-hmm. That's probably a be- the best one. And like some of the kids are saying, you know, that no, they need to be, we'll take them into our house. And others are saying, you know what, they really need professional help. We need to put them in uh, a care facility where they've got healthcare professionals who can be helping them out. That can be an incredibly intense conversation. Yeah, it can. Because it really does. It matters a ton. Yep. But at the end of the conversation, you should be able to walk away from it saying, you know what, even if I disagree with what you think should be done, I know you're wanting to do what's right for mom or for dad, whatever the case may be. And you can have an intense disagreement that doesn't lose the humanity of either side. Right. Which should be the goal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Good example. Yeah, and I think it's also, you know, if I'm going to speak from just like a daily living position, too, that should be something that differentiates us from the rest of the world, right? We shouldn't, Yeah. Catholics and Protestants shouldn't look like Democrats and Republicans fighting over, you know, this absolute Every position that, you know, and defining ourselves by not being them and all of these things, right? There's an opportunity to show that. There's value there, that there's something special and there's something different because they don't act like everybody else in the world. Absolutely. And I mean, on the most basic level, that should be something we're doing because Jesus said so. <laughs> like one of his one of his final prayers is we're getting ready for like Good Friday and uh, the crucifixion and everything is we're getting ready for that uh, this coming week. Yep. One of his last prayers was, let them be one father as you and I are one, Mm -hmm. speaking about his followers. So if for no reason other than to respect the will of the one we claim to follow, we should really be looking for ways that we can be united. Mm -hmm. And again, as Christ and the father are one, they're still two separate persons of the Trinity. Yep. They are still distinct from one another, but they're perfectly united. Mm-hmm. We can't get there, but that is our goal. It's what we should be striving for. Right. Well, you're like this side, of, this side of heaven, it's not going to happen. But yeah, you're you're just you're full of good comparisons today. Like, hey, thank you, man. It these are pretty on often, point. But when I'm on a roll, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> oh, so let's wrap this up into some life lessons. Uh, let's do it. For me. Mine is almost always going to be, uh, I guess, really, it's empathy, and I've been focusing on that a lot, but really, look at the other person and figure out how you can relate to them, right? You Mm. might not be the exact same person. You guys might be from completely different realms, but there's something shared. There's some, you're both humans. Start there, right? And figure out the shared experience and then build on that, and this applies everywhere this is in friendship this is in work relationships this is in being a supervisor manager being a missionary a youth pastor everything right start with empathy 
in that you are listening to that person and connecting at a relationship level first and then build towards uh, the more, you know, which is the most basic and then build towards the more complex, which would be, you know, theology or whatever else mm-hmm. that you, you're discussing. So start with that relationship first and let that be the source of your uh, unity and then go from there. Awesome. I think for me, it would be uh, when you, whenever we're entering into a conversation, whenever we're entering into an interaction with someone, we need to remember what our goal is. Are you looking to win an argument or are you looking to win a soul? Mm. And like that, that's key because if all I want to do is walk away feeling like I'm right, then my conversation will be vastly different than it will be if I'm looking to actually encounter this person and like really us know each other and get each other closer to heaven. Uh, If that's the goal, then like you said, that's, it ties back in that idea of that relationship and that empathy and what are you going to prioritize? Well, said. are you going to prioritize the "I told you so"? Or are you going to prioritize right. the "What can we tell each other"? Mm, I like that a lot, and that's and that really goes into our mission statement, which we have been working on. Which I think it's I think it's our mission statement, but I think we narrowed it down to just love and challenge, and it's yes. in that order of operations. Start with love. And then move to challenges, right? So yes, relationships first, and then you're challenging people to either get better or you're challenging them for right or wrong. But there's always the foundation of love first, then challenges. And so that's kind of the model that we're hoping to to build Inkledoo on. And this has been a really good uh, thought process for developing that as well. Absolutely. Right on, man. Well, all right. Do you got anything else on your brain? Nah, man. Just right. uh. Hope everyone's Lent has been excellent, and by the time we're talking to you again, hopefully you'll have had a wonderful Easter. Yes, absolutely. All right, with that, we'll say... Adieu. This would be that awkward, like when we're sitting around on Taco Tuesday, this would be that time where I just gaze off into the distance and be like, hmm, uh-huh, yep. Yes, but yes. that doesn't make for a very interesting podcast.